And here's the other thing I noticed. I said this to Graham uh, after he listened to it. I managed to keep my seesaw parade voice largely out of it until the very, very end. Yeah. When she said, Colin, can I say thank you? You've really explained this for me. It's really refreshing. And I went, that's great. You, you turned on casual Colin. <laughs> it's like, that's my seesaw voice just <laughs> popping up there. But hey. <laughs> that's great. Just going into a, another octave. <laughs> so other than that, great success. And uh, here's to many more attempts of me making things. I'm, I'm sorry, stating facts. Stating facts about things you definitely know a lot about and are a specialist in. Specialist, absolutely. What are you a specialist in, James? What would what would your oh, uh, specialist subject be on I, Call K? I genuinely don't have one. <laughs> you must, you know, you'd have no, something. No, my the problem with my my ability to focus and learn things is that I will learn a shallow amount about a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay, but nothing in depth, so that I end up being able to talk for let's say around about. 10 minutes on any subject that, that I kind of know about. But if, if I was talking to somebody who was knowledgeable in the field, they'd be like, head pats, you're doing all right, but you don't know it all, right? They wouldn't okay. deride me. I'm not like making things up. I'm not pretending to be a chess master and hoping that there are no chess masters in the room. Um, but I, I'm not super I'm not super knowledgeable about, as far as I'm aware, about, about any subject enough to like win a quiz on it. Okay, so, so it's like, you know a little about a lot. Yeah, and, it, and it, it kind of sucks, but it's also pretty cool at the same time. So you could be introduced as mastermind warm-up host. You know, quick fire rounds, <laughs> 60 seconds, multiple choice, general knowledge. You'd smash that. I'm really, really good at the early rounds of who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd fastest finger first roll over that. Oh, no, I'm really slow, though. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so slow you know, at uncovering it. You know, the thing about the fastest finger first rounds is that I, I can't get my second guess self out. I always second guess a thing and, and that's it. And then I'm okay. like, even if I revert back to the obvious first answer that is 100% correct, I'll have spent too long going, hmm, but maybe this is a trick. And then I'm, and then I'm out. I, I will usually do okay in quizzes. I don't think I've won one. For, I've not won a lockdown quiz, I'll tell you that. What's your weakest uh, type of quiz round? Genre? Well, my nephew did uh, a quiz last week or a couple of weekends ago, and one of the rounds was on dinosaurs. Right. I was awful. Here's a question. What is someone, uh, the, the, the job title of someone who looks at dinosaur bones? What are they called? Paleontologist. See, it's stuff like that. I'm just like, I haven't a clue. I thought, see, see <laughs> did you hear the pause? <laughs> I th- I knew the I knew the answer was going to be paleontologist when you said what's the job. Oh, really? When you were when you were introducing the question, I knew the answer, and I still paused and thought maybe this is a trick, maybe it's just an archaeologist or something. <laughs> paleontologist. So it, it's I'm the kind of person who hears that answer and goes, of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. But but I wouldn't have known that off the top of my head. No. So that round I found incredibly difficult, and there was another round I got zero on, which I think was Minecraft. Or or something. Oh, well, that, yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah, it was maybe like identify the character from these kids' TV shows in the year twenty twenty, and right. did not You've do got well. No valid reason to watch kids' TV shows. <laughs> exactly. I'm not. You know, my niche is in crypto. It's not in children's yeah. TV. But give it a few years, I might have pivoted to something else. Yeah, I am <laughs> horrendous at music rounds. I'm actually okay. You could give me a music round of songs from 
or from from your favorite bands or from my favorite bands rather uh, and i would still not win <laughs> okay well maybe that's one for for a future we should do like a seesaw parade quiz oh man <laughs> Okay, TBC. I still lose. I I do this. I'm the I'm one of the few people with a hundred percent attendance, and I still would lose this quiz. To be like match the episode number to the episode title. Oh no! And you, well, yeah, you and you, I think I think I would be okay, but you you would definitely lose. No. Okay. Well, anyway, talking of the episode title, welcome to Seesaw Parade episode two three eight. I'm Colin, and he's James. It's a fine number. I am. Thank you. It is indeed a good number. And a good number of you are still listening to this show, Oh, <laughs> which is remarkable. So thank you very much. Good, yeah. Really do appreciate it. This, of course, is Scotland's least dull podcast with the longest running mm-hmm. season one of any Scottish podcast discussing all things Absolutely. news, reviews, entertainment and, and politics and maybe sometimes sport and often life. Very often life, actually. Yeah. Uh, and also lockdown diets. We got some comments from our discussion last week. Uh, Shanana, oh, yeah. who was uh, responding to the fact that I said guacamole was horrible. She said, a fair James has proven himself to be the wiser, more favourite human mm-hmm. over Colin <laughs> due to his uh, correct guacamole preferences. Absolutely correct, yeah. Children like salsa. Come back to me when your tastes get more grown up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that part. Salsa just means sauce. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like salsa for... It's it's Doritos sauce. That's what it is. All right, but like there's there's levels of Doritos sauce too. They've got their mild one and then yep. they've got their like spicy ones. And I feel like if you're entering the spicy salsa realm, then you're approaching acceptable. But no, like salsa in general is the whole culture behind it. It's great. <laughs> if we're talking about, you know, can I handle the spice? I'll let you know, I have my Nando's medium spice. So I'm not like, medium. I'm not going plain-ish. I'm not a lemon and herb kind of guy. Very well done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, hey, you. I like my meat with a bit of spice to it. Indeed. Okay, well, talking off food as well, Izzy got in touch to say lockdown diets. In terms of finding better milk and dairy products, you should have a look at the ethical dairy. Which I did. For cheese and ice cream and the calf at foot. Which I did. For milk. And she's, she has tagged uh, both of these uh, producers in the tweet oh. if you would like to go and check it out. And yeah, it looks good. It does. I, I checked I checked them out. I believe the calf and foot are moving home. They've been evicted by their landlords so you can't buy their stuff for a little, a little while but by the time you've listened to this show who knows maybe they've moved all their cows <laughs> i imagine it takes more than a few days though however i'm, I'm genuinely going to be buying cheeses from uh, the ethical the ethical uh, joint oh that's great uh yeah genuinely this is well time because i spent a significant amount of time and i can remember several internet searches looking for good ethical cheese that I could get delivered to my flat. Amazing. I found one place in Glasgow that that I gave you that had like good cheese and they delivered it. (laughs) Delivery was like 15 quid from the city centre to me. (laughs) Get out of here. That's disgusting. Awful. It might be ethical on cheese but less so on price. Yeah, so this is made up for that disappointment. Maybe they're being ethical about you know, if you want us to deliver it, you've got to pay for the petrol and compensate for the damage to the environment. Maybe, maybe it was an environmental fee, yeah. That makes sense that way. <laughs> okay, well, if you have a, an opinion or a view on anything that you hear on this show, you can get in touch with us at Seesawparade on Twitter. Yes. Or Seesawparade at gmail.com. Please send yeah. us an email. We will read yeah. it out, as we have done in the past. Sometimes we abbreviate them. We do. Let's kick off the show. Talking about COVID. 
Surprise, surprise. Hey, wow. Okay, so this is the news that... On Friday afternoon, it's been confirmed that levels of coronavirus are going down in all four nations of the UK. Uh, The data from the Office for National Statistics uh, provides more evidence that uh, the lockdown is working to control the virus, even with the more infectious variants that are going around. The latest R number, which is estimated to be between 0.7 and 0.9, suggests that the infection numbers are going down, and it's also the first time since July that the R number has been as low as this. Oh, we did such a bad job (laughs) cutting out the second curve. So here's the thing. When I read that, I I had to do a double take and say, well, surely that's not right. But no, the R number has been above one since July, which is terrible. Awful. Really, really shows uh, how, how, how lazy and casually confident our leaders were that everything would just be fine if they pretended it would be fine. I saw on uh, social media, before we discuss these headlines, I saw on social media that uh, we've now passed the year anniversary of the first time that Boris Johnson decided not to attend the first of five Cobra meetings wow. about the pandemic. There we go. <laughs> and he's still not in jail. Let us not clap in remembrance. Okay, so the current statistics mean that, on average, uh, every 10 people who are infected will pass it on to between... Seven or nine people, or between seven and nine people more. Uh, But experts are saying that these levels are still uh, very, very high, and uh, we're yet to be out of the woods, and it's still unclear when lockdown will begin to be lifted. Scientists have said that uh, the lower the cases can get, the better, and unlocking too soon would risk another surge of the virus, despite despite the fact that this week Scotland has hit a quarter of uh, adults in the country who have received their first jag, their first dose of the jab. Yeah. Again, first, I think there's only one of the nations in the UK where more than 1% of uh, people have received their second dose. And I believe it's the second Which I one. think it's Wales. I thought it was Northern Ireland that was <laughs> beelining for uh, second doses. And okay, well, it's not, it's not us and it's not England. Indeed, indeed. Um, like, great, we've got a quarter of adults... Uh, in Scotland, across the UK, everybody's near enough. 20% of pop- of the population is vaccinated with one dose, which means that if you get the virus, you're probably not going to die. Um, the second dose needs to start hitting in before we can be opening things up, though, and before we can yep. be putting people's long-term health at risk just by letting this happen. So it, it's clear that they're just aiming for the big number and trying to put us all at ease and pretending that we weren't told the whole time that two doses is the ones is how much we need. Well, well, two doses was always the plan from the start. Yeah. But the, the way that it's been ruled out, I believe different countries are taking different approaches. So certainly in Scotland, it was let's get everybody who is vulnerable vaccinated first. Yes. And uh, we're going to go through as many of them as we can. And once the most vulnerable people, which I believe is everyone who's over 50... Yeah. It's definitely over 60, but everyone who's over 50 at least gets vaccinated. Then we're going to start going for the second Indeed. doses, Indeed. which which may be up to 12 weeks after the first one. 
and then we get to the the healthy people yeah. like you and i and that like it's a it's a it's a legit strategy the government do have legitimate strategies and nobody has fallen behind their goals nobody is not hitting their targets and that's that's okay but we should stop focusing on the 20% before it becomes like 50% and then everybody's like well if half of us are vaccinated perfectly why don't we just leave now and nobody has the has the messaging from the media about like it's only the first dose. We gotta we gotta be focusing on the on the real story of the numbers and being like Okay. Yeah, this is reduced harm, but but we 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 aren't really there yet. This is a this is a halfway to being being halfway to being halfway there, right? We're way off doing anything <laughs> significant. Um and we found out that in Scotland one of the reasons we fell behind the UK average vaccination rate was because we were focusing heavy on care homes and whatever. And that's great. Care homes have all got their first dose, but are they getting their second doses yet? Or are we going to slow back down again when we're doing care homes getting their second doses? I don't know. So I think it's a number that we shouldn't be focusing on with such uh, eagerness. And instead, we should just keep an eye on it. And and, and eventually it will be significant. Well, talking of numbers that we have been, or the media has been focusing on recently... Uh, let's talk about the 10-year jail term that's been threatened oh, yeah. for anyone who lies about their recent travel history. So this was the mm-hmm. uh, Transport Secretary Grant Shapps who said that uh, the British public would expect strong action and maximum sentences to reflect the seriousness of anyone from these uh, red list countries who have been told or yeah. forced to isolate for 10 days in hotels costing over yeah. or close to two grand. That if they lie and they get found out, then they're going to jail for a maximum of 10 years. Indeed. They have been defending this as opposed to saying, hold on a second, that's ridiculous. What's your thoughts on this, James? Seems a bit extreme. However, if we're talking about the countries that are the redded ones, it appears to be the countries that have confirmed massive amounts of specific variants. And therefore, you are putting a whole like area at risk if you bring it home and and hide it. Yeah. Um, I don't know where they got their advice that the maximum of 10 years is the is the goal. I think it, it is, however, incredibly hypocritical of them to be threatening people with jail for lying and for putting the public at danger when the government's response for the entire coronavirus epidemic for us has been uh, lying about stuff and putting the public at danger. Yeah. When are they going to jail? <laughs> Never. James is the answer. Just to exactly to Never add to James. that. To add to that, uh, one of the House of Lords uh, high holies was writing in the Daily Telegraph. I think it was Lord Sumption who had accused that's his actual oh, name. Oh no! Who had accused the Health Secretary of losing his connection with reality? Who said something along the lines of, you know, ten years is what you give to someone who attempts to poison people or for a, a serious indecent assault and uh, did the health secretary really think that not telling someone you'd been to Portugal was worse than for, you know possessing a firearm in public I mean, right well he kind of said one of them is like poisoning someone like if you deliberately take an effort to pretend that you haven't put people at risk you may as well have poisoned them <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, but to, but to suggest that a, a ten year sentence, ten years is is, is huge. It is like a fair punishment for a false declaration on a form yeah. when you land at Heathrow is a mis- It's a mistake because it's it's vastly exaggerated. It's also not going to happen. So, no, but that's what they want to do. It's like the shock of it. 
Yeah, you're, you're right. It's the shock aspect of it. Of oh, ten years. Okay, well, I'm not going to lie that I've been to the Algarve, but yeah, it's more a. Uh, it's a scare tactic. Um, and they're trying to defend... But, but it's, it's too much of a scare tactic. Yeah, it is, because they've been called out and now they're having to try and defend it publicly as realistic rather than just as a scare tactic. Things don't work. They could try and set a flat fine, but we all know that fines only exist to stop poor people from doing things. So fines suck. Um, putting people in jail generally is a uh, thing we should try to minimize and reduce. Um, we need to have a better system of deterrent in the UK for crime because it generally deterrence yep. only deter people who can't afford uh, the punishment. Just, just one final factoid here or point for discussion before we move on. In amongst these countries that have been listed for, if you're arriving from them, you must isolate for 10 days and if you don't, you're going to jail. One of the countries on that is Botswana. Yes. Now, Botswana, on Wednesday, I believe recorded no new coronavirus infections. Mm-hmm. It is on the list. It's on the list, though. Yeah. Um, a country which is not on the list, James, is the United States, where on Wednesday... Right, yeah, that, there's the problem, child. They recorded over 90,000 new infections, which makes me think, James, yeah. that this list is not really about the infected places. Okay. At least in some cases. Here's my logic for, for Botswana. It's right beside... A big variant area, right? In South Africa. Literally, we have a variant named after South Africa, Botswana, and their huge, massive primary airport is is just right next to it. It makes sense to put it on the list only if it's an exhaustive list of places that are risk or risky. Yeah. The US should be on the list too. I only accept this list as legitimate if either all of the risky places are on it or none of them are. If the US isn't on it, <laughs> then neither should somewhere that's neighbouring's a dangerous place be. So, so why is the United States not on it then? Because it would impact the wealth travel, right? It would impact the the wealthy tourist travel or impact the wealthy visitor travel, right. blah, blah, blah. Like, genuinely, people will reconsider and consider the US in a bunch of different ways purely because of the money, whereas with Botswana, it's like, well, who's going to complain? Twitter? Who cares? However, there is logic. It's just they need to apply it literally globally. Which is weird considering we're almost at a year of this pandemic. It's really strange reading so many of the headlines and thinking this would have been a legitimate headline a year ago. Like if we were debating what countries to start uh, closing the borders with a year ago, it would have made sense. If we were debating, um, if we were having scientists telling us that we're not out of the woods yet... A year ago, and telling us what what our rate what our rate means, and uh, telling us that lockdowns don't have an end date and things like that. This is all stuff that should have been over with by now. I remember when the first lockdown started, and we all thought it was just going to be a few weeks. We did not all. Well, okay, I, I okay, sorry, be in that group. Sorry, many of us suspected yeah. it was yeah. only going to be a few weeks. My boss even said he was like, "Well, we'll be in lockdown. The office will be shut for about a month." And and it's because we were without the sort of messaging that said you should be avoiding putting dates on when lockdowns end because yeah. you simply are unable to control the outcome of that. Yeah. You just have to keep on doing it until you get to a certain point. And even at this juncture with people being vaccinated, I have a very, very little confidence in any UK-based government to be lifting lockdown at the appropriate time. I appreciate yeah. that everybody is having a rough time. And this this second lockdown, wow. sorry, again, I'm generalizing. A lot of people 
are having a rough time. And I found the second one much more difficult than the first one. And I'm sure that is replicated uh, across many households. Yes. But when that does get lifted, it's not like everything's just going to be fine again. I suspect we will then see further lockdowns after that because things have been rushed too quickly simply to, you know, give people some breathing space. And I appreciate that's important. But what's more important is that we do it right. We, We get this lockdown right. So that when we do end it, <laughs> it's it too so, late. Well, hold on. So that when the lockdown ends, you know that that's it at least for you know the foreseeable. I know Boris Johnson I, this week no. said that uh, we should start treating the COVID vaccine like a flu vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Where you get booster shots every year, and it just becomes something we live with. Yeah. And I appreciate that is likely what's going to happen. It will become something which we just live with, like the flu. But mm-hmm. at this current juncture. I have very little faith that it will be done yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah. I, I am going to retract my I don't think we were all in that group. I can't remember how confident I was in the first lockdown. We will have recorded evidence of it. Oh, we do. Um, I, 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 my inclination is that I'd given up by then. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe I was still supportive. I, I don't remember thinking there was just going to be one short lockdown and that's it at that point. I don't think this is going to be the last we hear of lockdowns when this one ends. Um, we will see, though. Maybe we will do this one right. We'll wait long enough. We'll get infections down to the single digits, you know, and uh, keep them there after the lockdown's over and whatever. Um, I know that, for one, I am still remaining thoroughly locked away, even after the government and whatever level of government says it's all right to go out and about. I'm just... I'm, I, I, I am doing well. I am healthy I, I don't I don't want to listen to the government about any of this stuff. And if pandemics happen again, I, I am never going to have the same kind of casual confidence I did that we are going to enact good quarantine measures and anything of that nature. We clearly are not capable of it. Okay, well, talking of recorded evidence that we can go back and watch and listen to time and time again, Donald Trump's second impeachment trial is underway, and it could well wrap up uh, by the time you listen to this, dear listener, because... Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Donald Trump's defence lawyers are set to present their evidence in what is uh, reported to be, or indicated to be, only a quarter of the time allotted because they're very, very confident that uh, he's going to be acquitted. (laughs) No, no. Like, their confidence is going to be acquitted, true, but they also have nothing to say because there is no (laughs) defence. Yeah, okay, we'll we'll get to that. So uh, the impeachment trial was, first of all, voted to be constitutional. Indeed. I believe on uh, on Tuesday. So the Senate said, yes, we can impeach uh, a former president, which uh, is unprecedented. Hey-oh. To uh, pardon pardon the pun. And uh, Democrats have spent two days putting their case forward, including uh, wreaths of video footage of the violence. Some yeah, really previously unseen footage. Absolutely, some really uh, startling stuff from inside uh, the the Capitol building. Yeah, and they've argued that acquitting uh, Trump would potentially see then a repeat of the attack on Congress. So a two-thirds majority is required to convict Mr. Trump in the uh, 100-seat Senate, which means that 17 Republicans Uh, would need to vote uh, against him. uh, At this current time, I believe it's only six 
which six, have uh, well six have that have shown that they think this is a constitutional uh, yep. hearing basically they, they aren't saying that the impeaching the president is impossible they're saying hey it could be done maybe if it, if people wanted to maybe not me though yes yeah, so, so they voted that it was constitutional but whether yes. they want to impeach him is uh, another matter so i expect at least some of them will you know yeah the, the usual faces six seems reasonable um people who are on the video evidence themselves being ushered away from the violence might be inclined to be a bit real about the situation um but no i think one of the big reasons nothing's going to happen is because a, a significant number of uh republican senators congress persons uh are on the record saying similar ish things to the stuff that the democrats are trying to impeach trump for um the same kind of rhetoric the same kind of build-up and they realize that if they voted to get rid of Trump, then they are just uh, putting their own neck on the block, you know, saying because they did the same thing. So they're not going to vote for it. They want to get away with themselves. So why would they? Why would they want to set a precedent of like actual justice? So my um, question here, and I feel we are treading over old ground, is after all the evidence that's being uh, shown here by the Democrats, which is essentially that Trump had shown a pattern of condoning the violence, did nothing on the day to prevent the riot, and had also expressed no remorse. That was their argument. And when you look at the the footage, it's also damning. Yeah. And as you say, a lot of the, the senators themselves being ushered away by the Secret Service or, you know, policemen who were there steering them in the, the correct direction as opposed to towards the mob as some of them were actually walking. Yeah. So, to, to me, it is unarguable that Trump should be impeached. But I, I appreciate I'm coming from a, 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 a already, with, already with my own views, my own opinion. So Indeed. So why then, James, will we only see potentially six of the 50 Republicans vote to impeach Trump? Because if you're looking at it from a even an objective point of view, yeah. It, to me, it's unarguable that he was the instigator in chief. Yeah. Well, aside from what I'd said that if they point out the instigator was at fault, it might flow down the chain and go like, "Well, who is the next instigator? Let's get rid of them too." Yeah. And they know that they were the other instigators. Uh, there's also this salvaging of the party going on, where Republicans are wanting to try to keep Trump's base voting for them while also trying to keep their they are less cultish base voting for them so they basically have to just do nothing because taking either side vocally um would upset some people so the best they're doing is saying that the trial's a sham they're not trying to have any evidence yeah. for or against what's going on they're just calling the whole thing um, fake, and then that will keep their voters happy, hopefully for them. So there's been a couple of high-profile senators, including Marco Rubio, who has uh, said that impeaching a former president was not appropriate. And uh, it was also Senator Roy Blunt who told the New York Times that uh, he gets to cast his votes and that his view is that you can't impeach a former president. But you can. And if the former president did things that were illegal, there's a different process for that, apparently. Yeah, and, you know, maybe this is an invitation to not just try to impeach Trump, but also just hold him accountable for everything he's done. And we're seeing signs of that happening. Georgia are bringing out a case against Trump for the call, which the call where he was trying to 
uh, encourage people to falsify the vote count is more is is more incriminating than than this and much easier to get him on than any of this so we could be seeing uh the beginning of a spark of like everybody trying to get trump for the things he's done um and not just through the means that the political system allows, but through the actual legal means. Okay, well, let's move on then to uh, a couple more stories before we head to the world of entertainment and discuss Watchmen, which I'm interested to uh, oh, yeah. to get James's thoughts on. But let's talk about Bitcoin. Mentioned this at the start of the show that Bitcoin's hit record highs after Elon Musk's uh, company Tesla announced it had bought $1.5 billion worth of the cryptocurrency. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it almost hit $50,000 a coin after the announcement. It has fallen slightly after that, but it's still around a quarter higher than it was a week ago. Yes. And over the, the course of the year, it has grown over 1,100%. <laughs> it's a, yeah. an easier way of saying that, but basically, indeed, Elon in the last few weeks has been uh, teasing his involvement in some sort of crypto, whether it was Dogecoin or Bitcoin. And then after he changed his Twitter bio to hashtag Bitcoin, then followed this announcement. And a lot of people, a lot of people believe that this is uh, another step towards making cryptocurrency mainstream. Uh, James, yeah. let me uh, let me ask for your, your tuppence or your, your Bitcoin on this. <laughs> that was disastrous. Sorry, that, that, was, that was bad. Yeah, it didn't work. Okay, what is your opinion? <laughs> Bitcoin is still a gamble. I, I, I actually think it's very bold of, the, of these big companies and big banks to be taking a huge big bet on the stability of Bitcoin before it has really impacted the world in a significant way and before we see how the wealthy people and the elites of the world outside of meme lord um, Elon yep. uh, actually respond to this. Because if the response to Bitcoin once it goes mainstream is, hey, we got to regulate this, it's going to tank. It's not something that survives regulation. It's unless... There's a plan for that that I'm not seeing. And maybe I'm entirely wrong because I'm not super educated. Um, but it's still a huge gamble. I'm not sure how they're going to get all that money back in uh, to different things. They're going to have to be trading Bitcoin for this and that to try and yep. uh, make use of any of that cash or any of that electrons. And uh, any bulk reclaiming of Bitcoin will, of course, drive the market back down. So... This is this is a, a big bit of news purely because it's big name gambles lots of money on on newfangled technology, right. which isn't really new because it was kind of new when I was at uni and I was at uni like <laughs> a decade ago in the second age of man, you know. <laughs> okay, well, just to to add to that, I agree, and as I said in uh, said interview with Cole K on uh, yeah. BBC Radio Scotland, you can go and listen to uh -huh. the coin's <laughs> extremely volatile. The whole industry is because it, uh, yeah. as you say, whilst people were talking about it 10 years ago it is only 10 years ago yeah and so the the market itself and the amount of coins out there it's still emerging and as you say it's yet to be regulated because it ain't really owned by anyone ain't really, yeah there's just you know lots of people have have uh, stakes in it uh, as i do but the main issue for me and it was one that reuters explored and explained very well right is the whole aspect of Tesla, the ethos of Tesla, is green energy. It's about yeah. electric cars and the future. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin, you know, to, to uncover Bitcoin, you have to throw an enormous amount of computing 
yes. power, CPU or GPU or something like that. Yeah. Uh, into, you know, dozens and dozens of these machines to attempt to uncover a Bitcoin. And the amount of electricity that these miners go through, I believe in 2020, the equivalent amount of energy that all these people who were looking for Bitcoin used was equivalent to the entire output of the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. In the, the same year, which it is... Was worth a, it was worth an entire Argentina. Yeah, it's, it's staggering and it's far too high. Yeah, it's not green. Considering... It's not, not even, not even close to it, and it uses a lot of coal to actually get that electricity in the first place. Yeah, because it's coming from the likes of Russia and China predominantly. Yeah, uh, of course, there's still people all over the world, but on a much smaller scale. So, to me, the biggest question is: Does this involvement signify perhaps some sort of change that Elon Musk wants to to bring to Bitcoin? Because he is now essentially on the uh, the masthead of the coin. He is the most famous person yeah, no, he, yeah, to no. be involved in it. He is the world's richest man now. He, yeah. And when he decides to buy $1.5 billion worth of something, it's going to have an impact on the future of that coin, whether that's the price, uh, whether that's any developments for it. So so to me, the biggest question is, how does that fit into Tesla? Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I know, I know as part of the announcement, they said, okay, we'll start taking cryptocurrency as a form of payment for the car. Yeah, which is which is fine. It's a step towards mainstream. I know PayPal announced something very similar last year. They would start yep. uh, allowing cryptocurrency payments to be made on their network, and that will come across the the world in the next few years. Indeed. But how is this? How does Tesla tie into you know if your if your whole company is based around green energy and a better way of saving the planet? Bitcoin churns through energy at an outrageous rate, and it's one of the main drawbacks of the coin itself. Yeah. So. I'm interested to see what happens. I am, um, I am someone who is a bit more skeptical, a bit more perhaps unhappy, or um, I don't know if that's the word. That simply somebody changing their Twitter bio can influ- influence the price so yeah. staggeringly, yeah. as he has done in the past yeah. by tweeting things like, "Hmm, I think I'm going to take Tesla private," and then of course the the share price goes up by a hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, he engages in in market manipulation, and he makes himself yeah. uh, massively richer. And of course, then he gets investigated and nothing happens. So Indeed. there there are aspects of that, as you say, market manipulation, which has been going on for a long time. But when the world's richest man gets involved in a emerging industry, yeah. that has consequences. And that has ripples for the for the for the wider uh, cryptocurrency market. So I'm 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 genuinely interested into what happens next. But as you say, there's a there's a big note of caution here because it could really go either yeah. way. Ideally, because we live in a disgusting profit-driven world, this is the beginning of a, a dive into profitable um, tech in in uh, green energy and carbon capture and all the rest of the things that we need to convert the world into something that isn't going to destroy itself. Um, Elon does have um, a significant amount of power in terms of the way he can shift society. He clearly has far more money than he needs to throw at things. True. Um, if he's following the general advice of do not invest any money that you can't afford to lose. Um, Which is good advice. You heard it indeed. from Colin Stone on Radio Scotland the other day. Yeah, he made that one up himself. First person to ever say that. Yeah, blockchain Braveheart <laughs> coming at you with his big wisdom. His big brain. We could be seeing a, a drive now to make things like 
basically electricity money electricity driven money generation more sustainable um, it does seem a bit again i'm gonna say hypocritical it's not quite the right word but it does counter a lot of the ethos of several of the companies however he'd already done this let's not forget that elon musk the 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 green billionaire or trillionaire or whatever runs as as a company that shoots rockets into space <laughs> does one space rocket doing a little satellite delivery probably does more harm to the environment than I could significantly do in my lifetime if I tried. <laughs> like, if I went on every single flight, I could. I don't know how much a rocket does, but it has to be a lot. And he's planning to to do thousands of rockets. Yep. And so is Bezos, and so is everyone. They don't actually care about the green world and sustainability. They're just trying to find the next profit. The reason Elon's investing in Bitcoin now is because he thinks it's going to be profitable. The reason he and Bezos are in a race to put satellites into space at massive numbers is because they think it's going to be profitable. They they, they say, we're providing internet for the world. It's like, nope, you just want money. And of course they just want money. (laughs) So all of this, all this chatter about it, it's suddenly Elon's revealing his true inner self and he might not care about the environment as much as he claims. It's not a surprise. <laughs> okay, let's move on. But if he can find a way to make carbon capture profitable and if he can find a way to make green energy more profitable, he'll put his name on those things too, just like he did with Tesla. I'm sure he, he will. He didn't invent that thing. He bought it from the people who did. He did. He did and he's going to do the same with his carbon capture competition. He'll put his name on whatever thing wins the prize and ask the people to remove themselves from the project. What a generous man. Okay, let's move on. Uh, fishermen back in Britain are to rename two of their biggest European exports <laughs> in a bid to attract British shoppers because of Brexit. Yeah. So the Megram Soul, which is big in Spain, mm-hmm. is to be sold as Cornish Soul. And spider crab, which is also very popular in the the continent, is being rebranded as Cornish King Crab. Ah. This this comes from the uh, the CFPO, who's the Cornish Fish Producers Organization. Yes. After a bunch of research was done, and they realized (laughs) that in the current climate, exporting to Europe is not a pleasant experience. Surprise! Surprise, everybody. You might have to like aim at your neighbors instead of people who can give you money from foreign countries. So the, so the numbers here uh, are, are fairly stark, that each year around 1,000 tons of Megram sole is brought into Newlyn wow. in Cornwall, and 98% of that is exported abroad. Yeah, and now that's hard to do. But of course, trade has been disrupted severely by the extra paperwork, the border checks, <laughs> and so they've decided that we're just going to rename this to something more British yeah. <laughs> and we will make money. They really should have just called it Brexit, so like Cornwall voted <laughs> Brexit for Brexit. Crap. They're, eating, they're eating their brekkies now. They should have just put Brexit on the labels and made the money from all of the patriots, you know? Um, it's going to work. It makes sense. This, to me, James, is an incredibly sad reflection <laughs> of the reality that the fishing industry is now living in, uh, that Brexit has become such an substantial boulder or barrier... But we did it for them. ...actually making, making a, a business work, that they're having to just completely about turn and focus <laughs> on their much less profitable yeah. Brits. 
Like no no names work though. This they should have done this anyway. Like this just makes sense. Even about Brexit, people know what Cornwall is. They know what Cornish means. <laughs> so they'll buy a fish called that easier than they would any other made up word. That's very true. I don't know, but no, you're right. This is another. It's another headline that paints a picture of Brexit, and every single one of them is getting a like getting added to the pile of oh look things didn't go too well. Um, and, and I hope I like because I like people not dying of poverty and stuff. I hope that it turns out that all of these headlines of Brexit bad, they just stop after two years because suddenly Brexit good and sovereignty saved the day somehow. Uh-huh. I just don't see it happening. Well, on like, well, yeah, I agree. I, and talking of Brexit, I realize there's another couple of stories you've added here. The first one I'm going to chuck in is that the I believe it was the World Bank who said that London is no longer the European hub for financial markets. What? And that Amsterdam, Amsterdam is now the go-to. I am so surprised. Uh, of course, that was then reacted with uh, with anger or, or disappointment. How dare they? Someone accusing the World Bank of being pro-Euro or pu- pro-Europe. <laughs> when in reality... anti-Britain. Yeah, when in reality, just all the big companies were like, hey, it's much easier to do work in Europe yeah. as opposed to trying to do work in London. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that seems to have put London into second place in Europe. Indeed. No, London financially is in second place in Europe. Um, The other bad news for London is that since Brexit and since COVID, their population has decreased, and correct me if I've got the number wrong, by 700,000 people. I was going to say 10%, so that sounds about right. Yeah, an absolutely massive chunk of the population has either moved out of the city into more affordable places or back to their homes with their parents or whatnot, or back to Europe um, because, you know, Brexit happened and it made staying here really difficult. So a lot of people just left. Yep. Uh, and there's better opportunities elsewhere. Um, London not having a good time. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess once COVID is done, we'll see if the population increases at all again. Uh, I'm sure it will go back up yeah, a little. I am having... Another one of those moments where there's bad news, but you get the silver lining of like a bunch of the landlords who have been predatory and 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 gaming the system in London are probably struggling a bit now, and that's that's hilarious. Because <laughs> like, that is like it is the fault of the landlords and the landowners um, that the rent prices are so ridiculously high and that property prices are so ridiculously high. So again, they're getting a wee bite in the ankle. It's not enough to actually harm them. Similar to the the stock market stuff with GameStop, nothing harmful is going to happen to the rich, but they're going to be scared for a little while, and that's that's a tiny silver lining on some bad news. We didn't talk anything more about the uh, the vaccine manufacturing debates and debacles. Well, so that was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Where the EU were like, "Hey, AstraZeneca, you owe us vaccines," and they said. That no, 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 no we, we don't. Can't, we do, but we owe it to Britain first. And the EU said, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna block, <laughs> we're gonna block the uh, the trade routes to Northern Ireland." And then suddenly, uh, someone else at uh, the EU headquarters said, "Well, hold on a second, that's that's don't, no, we yeah, can't, don't do that. That's a terrible yes. idea." So big loss for the EU here politically, an absolute blunder. Yeah, it was. They it lost. Was a bad look. Yeah, seriously bad. They had, they had, they were like the little golden children of the area for a while there. Everyone's clan. Well, not everyone, but like some people just praising the EU for, for, for being so. Uh, reasonable about about all sorts of different things, and Boris continuously trying to paint them as like scummy 
Ne'er do wells. Dirt bags. Ne'er do wells. And then they, they just handed this one over. Like, here you go. Here's your next headlines for whatever, however long you want to latch onto these for. We threatened to break the agreement ourselves. Ugh. It was it was very, very silly, as you say, a mess. I'm unsure what the, the resolution of that has been, but as you say, they will be living off those headlines for a long yeah, time. Right. And, and fair enough, because it was a harebrained suggestion. Indeed, and it shouldn't have never it should have never made it out of their mouths. They should have shut that one down internally, like they kind of did, but too late. <laughs> Right, James, let's finish up. What have you been watching? And then we'll talk some entertainment uh, news headlines. Uh, have you finished anything, a TV show, any films? I did finish a film. Man, I, I, I've watched a lot of TV shows, but none of them are finished yet. I, I finished okay. uh, Hotel Artemis. Interesting. Okay. I did it again. Netflix was like, hey, watch this film. And I was like, all right, <laughs> sure. And then the film ended and I was like, all right, sure. So, so Hotel Artemis, I believe, is a 2018 uh, ensemble cast action thriller kind of yeah of uh, a sort of dystopian world where there's this place that people can go if they're involved in violent crime yeah. and it's like a safe haven a criminal hospital a cr- yeah, it's a cr- criminal hospital uh, to me it was a slight riff on John Wick it was where they have the Constantinople or the Constantine yeah the Constantine which is like a hotel where you cannot do a thing. You just all have to be nice to each other. Yeah. That that was the riff I got of it. Let me ask, what did you think? Yeah, so it was. They, they saw the hotel in John Wick and they were like, let's make a film about the hotel. But, you know, the person who runs the hotel instead of like all the grimy people. Yep. Um, and this film passes all the tests for me. I'm not saying it's a good film. It's enjoyable. <laughs> yep. Um, because it doesn't ever try too hard to do anything or force you to think of anything. Yep. Or, or make you have like profound moments or be too cool or anything. It just does the story and it's self-contained and you follow the characters through it and then you follow them out of it and you're like, all right, I learned about several of those characters and some of them had a little bit more depth than you thought and some of them had less than you thought was possible in a film. Um, but overall, it worked. It clearly knew it was dumb the, a lot of the actors clearly knew it was dumb and were playing up how dumb it was and were enjoying so, how dumb it was. So just so the, some of the cast includes, I want to say, Jeff Goldblum. Indeed, yes. And the lead character is Stephen Sterling Brown. Mm-hmm. Who, who is pretty wonderful, actually. Sterling K. Brown, I should say. He is brilliant, really like him. And then there's the, the lead female whose name escapes me. Yeah, I've forgotten too. I actually want to call out because they were excellent they did a real good job of whatever their shuffling old person acting was Sophia uh, I want to say Buffella also plays the uh, femme fatale I know an actual femme fatale but then they inverted it and she becomes the femme actually we're friends again now (laughs) I want to say Zachary Levy is the yeah yeah Zachary shows up the the main antagonist there's not yeah kind of there's not the antagonist is just Everybody's fighting for their own selfishness. Uh, Who's the lead? Is it Sharon Stone? Jodie Foster? It's Jodie Foster. That's who it is. There we she's go. She's good. I actually just remembered there. Um, she's excellent. And like, and there's Switch McCollum is in it as well. Batista? Not Batista. Yeah, Dave Batista. Batista? Batista's in it. Yep. <laughs> like, they all do their job very well. They've all got given their role and they got told what to do with it and it's all good. None of it is new. It's all very stereotypical. Uh-huh. Um, 
some of them have very legitimate motivations for why they're doing what they're doing. Like we've got somebody running a criminal hospital. Why are they doing it? Here's your reasons. And I'm like, actually, yeah, I can see why you would do that. And, and the city's in a massive riot. So it's a huge crisis. And then we get different people doing things for conflicting reasons. Uh-huh. I think almost every character has a moment of conflict wherein main hospital nurse has to choose between hospital rules and caring for somebody who she knew before she was in this yep. position. Um, the the main dude character has to choose between helping his brother and basically surviving the night. Um, femme fatale has to choose between being femme fatale or not being femme fatale. Okay, and she she does she carries it okay. They do a pretty good job, and like that, that kind of keeps going down the chain. They actually do all get asked to have a little crisis moment, and everything is legitimate. However, it all happens very quickly. Just bing bang boom, film's done. Does and you feel, feel nothing afterwards? Yeah, it it rushes through. You feel not very much afterwards, but it's worth seeing at least one time, especially because it's on Netflix and available <laughs> it's like a cup of fries as a great man once said yeah yeah the film very much like a cup of fries if you're in the mood for a film that is just the cup of fries that you need this is it for for this week well dear listener if you have finished any tv show or a movie or a book or, or something that you would like to review you can send it to us and we'll play it as i'm about to do i've completely forgotten yeah. about this yeah Emil, i advise taking notes um, and then yep. doing it because I never do that and that's why my reviews end up so messy and yours are all better than mine. So I'm giving you the advice that I need. <laughs> well, this week we have a review of Fleabag from ML. Here we go. Hello, Seesaw Parade. I am back with another review. Yay! This time for Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag, which mm-hmm. Colin recommended. I mean, obviously I'd heard of it before, but I mm-hmm. haven't watched it because I thought there was so much hype around it. It's probably overrated. I'll be disappointed if I watch it. Let me tell you. The ratedness of this show is entirely deserved a word of warning if you're going to watch it it's not one to watch with your gran from the Mm get-go it's very rude (laughs) lots of f-bombs thrown in there but it's all a very necessary part of a complex character a very real story so just bear that in mind as you're clutching your pearls the show is based around the lead character fleabag and the key relationships in her life it is very funny so much so that you're really drawn in by the, the humour of it all, only to realise there's actually a very sad and moving story developing underneath it. I'd say that's what really makes this show so good. Fleabag is no Wonder Woman or Stepford Wife. It's a very unfiltered look at a far from perfect woman trying to deal with guilt and loss. And lots of issues that have historically been thought of as masculine are portrayed. You know, she's betrayed a friend. She uses humour to deflect from her emotions. She's um, a sex addict. Um, And also a very human portrayal of feminism, which I just thought was great, brilliant. The characters are also wonderful. I mean, Olivia Coleman, of course, shines, but Shan Clifford as Fleabag's sort of uptight sister, just fantastic. She won a BAFTA for it. She should have won all the BAFTAs for it. What a what a star. Um, I mean, there are some boring moments. There are some lines that are stronger than others. Some of it is gross. And it has received criticism for being a very sort of upper class white woman kind of a show. Absolutely, we do need to see much more work from women of a working class background. But this show doesn't pretend to be anything else than a show about a posh girl. So I don't think we can come down too hard on it for that. 
I won't spoil the ending for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I felt it was really strong. I left feeling the two sisters' relationship, as dysfunctional as it was, was really what was most powerful and brought change. The line Claire sort of throws away at the wedding about, you're the only person I would run through the airport for to her sister, was so moving in amongst this just hilarious and insane wedding scene. Really strong. I am gutted that there's going to be no more of it, but respect to Phoebe for quitting while she's ahead. Colin loved it. I loved it. Obama loved it. You should give it a try. <laughs> it's a fair point. Barack Obama, despite actually yeah, being yeah. in the show in a sort of unusual and spoilery way, um, he liked the show. He named it as one of his favourite ones. Indeed. And then Phoebe Waller-Bridge reacted in, in some sort of shame slash horror that he'd actually watched it, which I thought was very funny. But thank you, ML, for that review. Brilliant as always, and I wholeheartedly agree uh, with the points you made. James, have you seen the show? i still not seen it, but oh, the more I hear about it, the more I want to see it. I, I had a similar thing where the hype originally, I was like, this is only going to disappoint me. But the more I hear about people who had that mindset and haven't been disappointed, I'm like, yeah, I can watch this. So thank you. Yeah. I, 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 feel, I feel even more confident that this is, Absolutely worth seeing. Two seasons, six episodes a season, and the episodes are a maximum of 25 minutes. It is a very, very watchable show. I would heartily recommend it. Okay, so you know what to do, listeners. If you've seen anything, let us know. Send us a wee recording, and we'll play it for the masses on Spotify. Well, James, I've got one TV show to review, and it's been a long gestating one. It's Watchmen. Ah, yeah, yeah, we talked about this a while ago. You were going to watch it. You watched uh, You watched the show. You gave your review. I finally finished it as of this afternoon. Well done. Uh, dear listener, if you would like to watch it, it's on Now TV for another week. So you better get moving. Yeah, just blast through it. Clock is ticking. Hey, see what I did there? Oh, clever. You've seen the show. <laughs> I've seen the show. For anyone who's new to this, this is the TV spin-off of the comic book, Watchmen. And uh, you may recall there was a very, very long Watchmen film, which actually I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, it's more enjoyable than I than I than I think it, it, I remember it being. Yeah, it came out in the early noughties. Originally, I was disappointed. I like it now. I, I watched it a few years ago and actually was surprised as to how much I enjoyed it. So this is a, a spin-off of this, essentially. But but the comic book, yeah, yeah, the comic book. Without going into spoiler territory, let me tell you, this is one of the most intricately plotted, well-told pieces of television I think I can ever recall. Yeah. And let me explain why. Because with most TV shows, as is their want, you tend to know what the story is, where the story's going, and uh, the main goals of all the lead characters, be they protagonist or antagonist, within yeah. maybe three or four episodes. Yep, yep, yep. You go into the final episode of this nine-episode season still in the dark as to what is actually going on. Yeah, there's a lot of threads still still unrevealed. You have a rough idea, but you're being hit with cliffhangers. A cliffhanger in the, I want to say, the, the second-to-last episode, which knocked my socks off. Right. And then suddenly this whole show that you think is going one direction swivels and now it's One Direction without Zayn Malik. You're somewhere completely different, and it's uh, something which the show then has to delve into a new layer to explain mm-hmm. what it's just told you. Yeah. So for me, a good indicator that I'm enjoying a show is that I'm watching the episode, 
and I'm either struggling with the tension or I just really want to find out what happens that I start, and I never get around to it, I start typing in on my phone a review of the episode that I'm watching so I can read what happens because I can't stand what's currently uh, appearing on screen. And like, uh, this is so great, I want to find out what happens kind of way, and I also can't bear the tension. Right. I never do it. I never follow through, but that's the level I'm at. Right. It's the it's the kind of show where I thought, one more one more episode tonight? Yeah, one more. Okay, finish that one. Uh, Just, yeah, I've got time yeah. for another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I thought from a... No, the, the show has its flaws, and we'll get to these in a second. <laughs> But as a as a method of storytelling, its visuals, its performances on the whole, on the whole, I thought was superb. Yes, this show deserves all the nominations and the accolades it got. Indeed. The one thing I would say, though, if we're talking criticisms, is I feel you need to have an understanding or at least a background knowledge of Watchmen before you start. There are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for a total newbie, you'd be able to follow it because a lot of it is, uh, you know, stands as just a, a standalone story as opposed to any sort of comic book lore. But there's a lot of Easter eggs and references and yeah. characters who it certainly helps to know some of the background. So I feel Indeed. that was one of the, the, the drawbacks. Yeah. Another one of the drawbacks I'll, I'll touch on... I'm oh, sorry, I also love the soundtrack. Soundtrack, superb. Excellent, yeah. The, the the visual way it told the story, the editing, again, on the whole, I'll get to this in a second, the editing on the whole I thought was was, was oh, superb. Oh, man, the black and white that they used, that one whole entire thing? My goodness, yep. they did the black and white good. So, so the way that they, they told, the way the story unfolded, brilliant. A couple of issues. Yeah. The first one is the constant callbacks mm-hmm. to things that, you know, to remind the viewer of the significance of what is currently happening. So, for example, without going into spoilers, at the very end of uh, of the episode, of the final episode, the lead character, who is uh, played by the superb Regina King, who plays the role of uh, Angela... Yeah. Excuse me, I almost said Akbar, Avar, <laughs> is, is holding an object in her hand. Yeah. Now, as a viewer... I know the significance of said object. I remember because I watched the show. Yeah, and it, it was like last episode. Yeah. But the show decides, okay, the viewer's a bit thick. Let's remind them of the conversation by playing the conversation with a little bit of echo yeah. and a little bit of a montage to the previous episode. Yeah, I hated that. And the thing is, it did it time and time again. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you yeah. know, if this, if this show was just a little bit more confident it wouldn't have had to rely on let's jog the memory of the audience member because clearly they don't yeah. they don't have a clue what's going on what i wanted it to yeah. do when when that when that scene sorry sorry what what i wanted it to do I'll, I'll hand the microphone over in a second what i wanted the show to do was to tell the story as it did but without all of this cutting back and flashbacks to things that have happened because I watched the show. I was enjoying the show. I know what happened. I know what is happening. You don't need to remind me of something that happened literally 50 minutes earlier. Now, I appreciate that for some people, this episodes, these episodes were coming out on yeah. a weekly basis. So perhaps that's helpful. But I felt that the show had to have more kutzpah yeah, about itself to just say, here you go, viewer, here's what's happening. We trust that you Ooh. remember the significance of this. So that was my main issue. Sorry, James, one one final point, one final point. Yeah. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Oh. 
is one of the uh, the male characters in this show. He was nominated. A lovely character. Lovely character. Was nominated for a, a string of awards, mm-hmm. and he was sort of the, the main guy, the main player to, to pick up the awards from the show. Yeah. Having watched it, and I remember you said this at the time, you said it, was, it felt like a strange nomination, and I was unsure what you meant. But having now watched the show, I understand exactly what you meant. Yeah. How he got all the nominations, and someone like... Tim Blake Nelson, My who plays goodness, Looking yeah. Glass in the he show, does such a good job. He is phenomenal. But not even him, even Jeremy Irons. I had a great time watching Jeremy Irons. I don't think he was award nominated or award worthy, no, but I certainly he thought great. he was better than Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. And so, to me, the show had so many great supporting cast members who were more worthy of recognition yeah. than the guy who actually got it. Okay, James, ran over, loved the show, thought it was great. It had its problems, of course, but yeah. thoroughly thoroughly recommended and thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Um so yeah, when I say lovely character, just to just to describe what I think about the character is basically our actor is asked to act like a normal human being for most of the show, and then he's asked to stop acting for the rest of the show. And that's it. Yeah. And he does a good job of acting normal and then not acting at all. Um but not, not, nothing he did was astounding. Um, your point about the constant callbacks, I think you, you are completely right. There's a few of them that maybe were ne- needed and necessary when the show's yep. coming out one episode per week. But that last one we were talking about with the object, um, I agree. When they when they did the, the, the original object shot, I thought that was a show ending. I was like, man, that's an actual perfect way to end the show. Yep. And then it kept going and then the dialogue started. And I was like, no, no. And then they did the cut to black. <laughs> I was happy. And I needed to be happy at that point because I hated the last episode in general. Oh, really? Um, I thought the last episode was the weakest of the entire show. I would the, agree. The way they wrapped a lot of the different stuff up was... There was a few really good parts to that of the way they ended it. Like, Looking Glass got an excellent ending. He did. Um, but in general, they're... Their main storyline d- drove to uh, a bit of nonsense, and I was. Just it, like, it was oh, almost really like a, a Marvel ending. Is that fair? Yeah, it was. A, it was a Marvel ending, um, and and I thought I could forgive them because of the this final shot, and then they took that final shot away from me, and and I, and the show is still tarnished for me because because they worked <laughs> really hard and they did such a good job of carrying such a vast amount of interesting plots yep. all to the same place to converge them successfully yep. and then to have the payoff be like oh a miracle <laughs> there were I, I will say there were a lot of coincidences yep. in the show almost too many for my liking yep. some of them some well, of them in particular i'm saying well what are the chances i mean what are the chances well, yeah, so just to describe the ending in kind of a vague, loose way, there's there's a lot of impact going on. And sometimes the impact is big enough to completely destroy entire pieces of architecture. And then sometimes it's not big enough to get through like a thin bit of metal. And I'm like, That's true. come on, make your mind up. <laughs> uh, yeah, But no, the show is incredible. It talks to a lot of very serious topics in such a good way. And the way they do their visuals and their callbacks to... Like, literal history and also the history of cinema and TV are so intelligent. Um, So it's worth watching even just for an experience of how they present, how they are doing their thing differently to the past. Um, A lot of the side characters are super interesting. Like, I knew it was interesting as soon as they did the, uh, the, uh, the, the film. That, that is being watched at the start of the show. There, you, there, there's a kid watching a film um, and 
the way they've chosen the the it's black and white, but the way they've framed it and the way they've done the color with the in the short film, uh, the bad guy is all is wearing all white and the good guy's wearing all black. Yeah, and I knew they were going to be talking about things in visual ways at that point. I was like, yes, <laughs> finally. Okay, well let's wrap it up because time is time is moving uh moving onwards, marching onwards. Uh, I did. Uh, I would heartily recommend the show, but you only have seven days to watch it on TV. So if you have been suitably convinced, uh, go crash your way through it. Okay, some yeah, genuinely worth quick. It. Oh, definitely some quick far headlines for you. Gina Carano, who's the former MMA star and now movie star, has been dropped from the Mandalorian yeah. after a series of what Lucasfilm called abhorrent and unacceptable posts on social media. Yeah. Uh, the hashtag fire Gina Carano was trending on Twitter for hours after she st- uh, she shared a anti-Semitic story on her Instagram. And this is not the first time yeah. that she's done something like this. She was uh, posting things last year and an uh, apparent spin-off for her character in The Mandalorian was then shelved because of said posts. And apparently producers were just looking for an excuse to fire her. After these posts, James, uh, this is just another example of someone who really should have kept their mouth shut and uh, perhaps learned a bit more before they started posting things on Instagram. Yeah, this was her, this was her second occurrence. Her first, her first warning. She's lucky to have made it through because Favreau put his neck on the line for her. Yep. he really pushed his uh, cre- his credibility out to try and keep her on board because he saw value in her character, and I saw value in her character as much as she's a bit of a cardboard actor. Uh, having a genuinely muscular and tanky woman yep. doing things instead of just being petite frame mega boss fighter fighter girl was really cool. She, she's also, by the way, for those of you who are listening, she's also in Deadpool. Yeah, uh, as the the muscle of the the villain of the first film, and uh, she was the star of Haywire, which is yeah. Steven Soderbergh's 2011 film, which is actually a lot of fun. It just requires her to beat up lots of people, say very few lines of dialogue, and she's good at that. But we need these things. We need lots of different people of different body types to be represented in media. So that was good. But then she decided that being like somebody who has conservative political beliefs right now is comparable to being Jewish in Nazi Germany. Um <laughs> Which is mind-blowing to me. There's a lot of people being like, well, that's not too abhorrent. People don't like conservatives right now. Uh, Well, uh, in America, where she stays, the conservative party has, or the Republican party specifically, has had control of all three branches of power for four years. That doesn't sound like the Jews in Germany. Um, Nobody actually hates uh, people with conservative beliefs for their conservative beliefs. The, The beliefs that people hate tend to be the ones about, like, you're being racist, stop it. Or you're being a bigot, stop it. Or hey, you're ignoring science and endangering people's lives, stop it. Right? Those things aren't just disliking someone for their beliefs. Those are disliking someone because they are being a danger and they are being uh, harmful to other people deliberately and actively. Uh, <laughs> which, again, even if it was just their beliefs, very much isn't comparable to uh, <laughs> the Jews in Nazi Germany. Um, it's a mind-blowingly shallow tweet. However, the support that she's been receiving is is equally confusing because it's from the same people who would shut down the likes of Jeremy Corbyn for like saying the word Jew. Yeah. Um who are now coming out and trying to defend this string of logic. Uh I don't understand 
how the how this thought gets processed, how this thought gets posted, and then how people feel like they need to defend it just because she's affiliated to the same party as them. Also, <laughs> really, conservatives and Republicans and all of them, they get platformed on major media all the time about every single bigoted belief they've got. They get airtime for it. What she's complaining about is people on Twitter not liking her. She's comparing <laughs> not being adored on Twitter to being a Jew in Nazi Germany. Okay. It's disgusting. Right. Final, final round then. The Last of Us, which is that video game that people used to like and not so much anymore, is being made into a movie with Pedro Pascal yeah. uh, playing the lead. And also one of the, I want to say Lyanna Mormont from Game of Thrones yeah. uh, is playing the uh, lead female role. Uh, linked to that, we also have Borderlands, which was announced uh, this week. You've got the likes of Jack Black, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kate <laughs> Blanchett, and Kevin Hart in that one. And the final one is Metal Gear Solid, where Oscar Isaac is playing, I want to say, yeah. is it like Silver Snake or something Snake? Sneak, sneaky Snake? Sneaky Snake. I can't remember yeah. his name, but he's playing the lead in that. Snake. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing Snake Boy. So, yeah. My question, James, is the track record of video games that get made into films is incredibly low. There is a very, very yeah. tiny yeah. minority. It's almost as low as the number as the track record of films getting made into video games. Correct. Of, of things that translate well. I want to say only... No, Jumanji doesn't count. Jumanji's a board game. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, Jumanji doesn't count. I, I believe the most recent one I saw was... Uh, there's a few. A video game called where you're all like jumping off buildings and stabbing people from above. Assassin's Creed. Oh yeah, they made a film about that. There we go, Assassin's Creed. It was tor- it was awful, it was terrible. Michael Fassbender in the in the, the lead yeah, role. Horrendous. Even um Tom Holland is playing yeah. the lead lead role in Uncharted, which is another video game adaptation. Indeed, there's a lot of those in the works right now. Do we need these and why are we getting so many? I think the, the the films getting made from Naughty Dog games makes sense. Okay, why? And that's the Uncharted's and that's the uh, the Last of Us's. Yeah. Because they're very story-driven games. That's and true. And people liked the games for the narrative and then the mechanics and stuff just carried the game. They were acceptable enough to keep you going. So those getting made into a film, which is just narrative and removes all the mechanics, uh, makes sense. And the casting for those mostly makes sense. Oscar Isaac's fashionable right now and he's a bit, he's a bit of an everyman. He could do anything quite well. Yep. I think Pedro Pascal, similar. He can do anything quite well, so he's getting given the role of old guy in The Last of Us. And he's going to do great. Both of those make sense. However, <laughs> then we've got the other side of the coin with the Borderlands film and casting. Borderlands as a franchise has not for a second been carried by its story. <laughs> as far as I'm aware and as far as I remember, it's got one character with any actual character behind them. Yep. Um, uh, Lilith. No, Handsome Jack is the actual is the actual interesting character okay. in Borderlands. Wow. Um, and and they've and their casting is everywhere. They've just gone for the who's who of like ensemble movies. They've been in a film. I like them. They're in films too. Okay. <laughs> it's 
So it doesn't make sense to make the story. It doesn't make sense to pick any of these actors. Jack Black, I guess, can do anything and yep. do it quite well. But they could have just literally picked, you know, the voice actor. I th- maybe there's a bit of tension. Well, there. he is playing a sarcastic robot, so and it should be a disaster. But you know, it might be real fun to watch. Okay, time is up. If you want to get in touch with the show, please do at Seesaw Parade on Twitter, seesawparade at gmail.com. James, it's been a pleasure. And I will see you next week. Yeah, just to give you an insight into the stories we skipped this week, we didn't talk about how the Queen actually influences British politics. Unreal. <laughs> we'll talk about that next time, maybe. No, if we yeah, let's do that. Sure. Okay. Bye. Bye. And bye, Queenie. Bye, Queen. Please, actually, bye, Queen. Just like, have the kit and then we can be a republic please it's not gonna happen bye bye